Welcome to the James River Church Podcast. You're about to hear another inspirational message. It's our prayer that this message is an encouragement and blessing to your life. Just to summarize where we're at, we're in Acts chapter 2. And we got here because in Acts chapter 1, Jesus said to his disciples, Hey, I'm going to go up to heaven, but you, you want me to go. Because if I go, then the Holy Spirit can come. The gift... The, the promise of the Father. And so, in fact, I want you to do this. I want you to wait here in Jerusalem. I don't want you to go anywhere. I don't want you to start anything. I don't want you to get the wheels turning. I want you to wait until the promise of the Father comes. That tells you how important the Holy Spirit is because Jesus was like, hey, you're going to be building my church. You're my answer for humanity. You, me working through you is the answer. But don't get started. I know you want to. You need the Holy Spirit. So he says, wait. So they're praying. They're waiting. They're, they're asking for the Holy Spirit. They're believing for the Holy Spirit. And then the Holy Spirit comes down on the day of Pentecost. And it's crazy. All right? It's like, I know we get, we get all like, oh, man, we've read that before. And, and yeah, I know the Bible. And so we kind of like just gloss over it. But... <laughs> the sound of a rushing wind came down. I want you to watch this in 3D this morning, all right? It's like a tornado hits that prayer, that prayer meeting as the Holy Spirit comes in. He is not subtle, anybody. He wants to make an impression. So he says, I'm coming down, and that means things are about to happen. The, the mighty rushing wind comes in, tongues of fire on their heads, and they start speaking in other languages that they don't know, but there is a gathering in Jerusalem of all different people that are there for the celebration that's happening. And they start hearing these uneducated people speak in their language, declaring the wonders of God. That's nuts. In fact, a whole bunch of people thought so too. So they gathered a crowd and they just want to watch it go down. And somebody's like, guys, these guys are just drunk. All right. And Peter's like, nah, not on my watch. Now, Peter has been hiding, all right? He's been afraid that he'll get arrested. He's afraid he'll get killed. But when the Holy Spirit comes down, he kind of changes into a different person. The guy who is hiding is now saying, hey, I'm going to get out front and tell some people what's up. So he says, all right, to start things off, we're not drunk, okay? It's 9 o'clock in the morning. That's crazy, okay? But then he, you kind of, he feels like he needs to bring a little bit more clarity, he feels like people need to hear a little bit more. And so he says, hey, let me explain what's happening here. What you're seeing right now was told about in the prophet Joel. It says, in the last days, I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. You know what? You're going to see signs. You're going to have your sons and your daughters prophesying. You're going to have dreams. You're going to have visions because I'm going to pour out my spirit. And that's exactly what's happening today. But guess what? This is happening because Jesus, you remember Jesus, right? He came and he did signs and wonders, but unfortunately he was crucified by you. Now, I don't know, that's not like a very bridge-building statement. If, you, if I was preaching, you'd be like, wow, that's kind of offensive. But Peter's telling them the truth, and he's doing it with boldness because he knows the truth is what will set them free. He says, he was crucified by you, and then he was buried, but he is not buried anymore. 
In fact, God raised him up and now he's seated at the right hand of the Father, the one you crucified. So imagine being that group of people who were there and they see this amazing sign that they, it's unexplainable, it's obviously the power of God, and then somebody's preaching saying, hey, you crucified Jesus who is the Lord of glory, and now you know why this is happening? That Jesus is at the right hand of the Father. They felt terrified. They felt the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It left them in a moment thinking, man, what do we do now? You know, that's what the conviction of the Holy Spirit does. When God, by his Spirit, comes to you and says, hey, there are some things in your life, some things that you're doing, some thoughts that you're thinking, some ways that you're living that are not right, things that are different than what I would have for you, things that are damaging the lives of people around you, and you're still going. The conviction of the Holy Spirit comes to you and starts to point those things out. He's doing that because he loves you. He's doing that because he's saying there's a different way for you. But unfortunately, the enemy also likes to come in and likes to give you a sense of helplessness, a sense of hopelessness a sense of distance from God that you feel cannot be overcome. So when God is working, you set yourself outside of it. You feel like, man, somehow this is for others and not for me. Somehow the grace of God is able to help other people, but it's not there for me. I'm too far gone. I've made too many bad decisions. Uh, if, if people knew how dirty I was or what I was like, then they would know. And God surely knows. And I'm away from him. And there's no way that the grace of God can reach me. The enemy does that. The enemy tells you, oh, the power of God is available for others, but it's not available for you. What's happening in the church is good for others, but it's not good for you. The blessing of God is available for others, but it's not available for you. And that is a lie from the pit of hell. And Peter, full of the Holy Spirit in this moment, they're cut to the heart. In fact, it says in Acts chapter 2, when they heard this, they were cut. This is kataruso. It means like a deep, quick cut. This deep work of the Holy Spirit's happening in the heart. And they said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, what are we supposed to do now? Where do we go from here? And Peter, full of the Holy Spirit, says, you know what? There's a second part of the message. And you know what it is? God's got something for everybody. I want to speak to you from the subject this morning. This is for everybody. Because there is nobody here in this room that you're too far gone from the grace of God. There's nobody in this room that God can't work in your life. There's nobody in this room that God can't use you in amazing ways to see his power at work in your life. There's nobody in this room that God says, I don't want to bless you. There's nobody in this room that God says, hey, I don't love you. There's nobody in this room that God says, I'm not for you. If you turn to God, this is for everybody. Man, I think that's a go word. Have you ever felt like you were outside? Have you ever felt like God wasn't for you? Then the Holy Spirit brings a scripture to you and says, no, 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 no. 
No, 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 no. This is for you. That's what the scripture is going to do for you today. You, you might have walked in hopeless. You're going to walk out with hope today. Because this is for you. This is for everyone. Look at this. The first thing Peter says is for everyone is everyone needs to repent. Everyone needs to repent. Look at it, Acts chapter 2, verse 38. And Peter said to them, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Now that word repent, it, it's metanoia. So if you think of the word like meta, like metaphysics, meta means beyond, and noia, like paranoia, means thinking. So metanoia means beyond thinking. It literally has this idea of fully turning, like a whole heart turning. So when we hear the word repent, Peter's not saying, okay, you're cut to the heart. Hey, it's good that you're sorry. Repentance is not just being sorry. Repentance is not just turning from sin. It's a full turning. Repentance means to turn from sin to God. To turn from sin to God, to turn from your actions to God actions, to turn from your thoughts to God thoughts, to do a full turn. It's not turning, you know, some people they're like, man, they want to turn from sin. They turn from sin, but they turn to something else. They turn from sin and they turn to a relationship. They turn from sin and they turn to self-improvement. And think, man, if I can just better myself, that will get me out of this mess. But metanoia, to repent, true repentance, is turning from sin to God. To saying, God, yep, it's a mess. But God, you're good. I'm going to turn from that to you. God, I'm done with that. I want you. And there's power in repentance. In fact, repentance is what opens us up to the grace and the forgiveness and the salvation that's found through Jesus. If you need grace today, all you need to do is repent. If you need forgiveness today, all you need to do is repent. And there isn't any kind of situation that is beyond God's grace. In fact, the Bible says he takes our sin when we repent and he throws it as far as the east is to the west, so far as he removed our transgressions from us. That means he takes it and he throws it and you never have to deal with it anymore. The enemy loves to bring guilt into your life and then say, hey, you feel that guilt? That's forever. But that's when you say, God, I cannot handle this on my own. This is not something I can get over. God, I need to give it to you. And, you, and God says, you know what? I can take that. But what you have to do is you have to repent. You have to turn. And when you do that, God's grace comes into your situation. God's grace comes into your life. You have a new, a new set of circumstances. You're now a friend with God. You're now right with God, not because you did anything, but because you said, God, I can't do anything. I need Jesus. And he says, you know what? You're a great candidate for my righteousness. You know what? You are the righteousness of God and Christ Jesus. If you're a believer today and the enemy's brought up old sin, if you're a believer today and the enemy's brought up old thoughts, if you're an in a believer today and the enemy's brought up your past, you know what you need to say? I'm the righteousness of God and Christ Jesus. I am good because he was good. I am right because he was right. And I am a friend of God. But that comes through 
repentance. And every single person needs repentance. If you've never had a moment in your life where you said, God, I'm turning from sin and turning to Jesus to make him Lord of my life, then you're not a Christian. And you need to repent. But the cool thing is scripture teaches that that kind of repentance brings life. I love this scripture in Corinthians. Godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation. What's the, what this means is there's a sorrow that doesn't save. There's a sorry I got caught or a sorry uh, that this, this, my life is a mess or a sorry that it's this way that I made these decisions that made these bad things happen. But there's a godly sorrow that says, God, I've not only sinned in a way that damages myself and damages the lives of people, I've sinned against you. And God, I'm done with that. And when you do that, you're, that, that kind of repentance brings a life and God saves you and he fills you with his presence and it's amazing what God can do when we repent. That's why every person needs repentance. The second thing we see that Peter says, everyone needs to walk in obedience. Everyone, look at this. He says this in, in verse 38. Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. Everyone needs to walk in obedience. And the first step to obedience is baptism. Baptism in scripture is the first step of obedience. And obedience is so critical because obedience is what opens us up to the blessing of God. Whenever we follow God in obedience, we experience the blessing of God. So if you're a believer, blessing is available to you all the time. You don't have to be good enough for blessing, but you have to be obedient to experience the blessing of God. That's why baptism is so important. If you haven't been baptized since you've been saved, you need to get baptized because that's how you're going to experience the blessing of God. You're going to walk as you walk in obedience. God's going to pour his blessing into your life. And everybody needs to experience that blessing. Everybody needs to walk in obedience. And that starts with getting baptized. Now, I want to give you a few principles on baptism that help you as you think about it. And as you, uh, maybe as you even discuss it in your life group. The first thing is this. You notice here that he says this. He said, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Now, maybe when you read that, you're like, well, okay, so you only baptize in Jesus' name. There's a couple different places where it talks about baptism in Scripture. One of them is Jesus talking about it. And he says this, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So there's not one binding formula like, oh, if you're baptized in Jesus' name, it's a real baptize, baptism. If you're not, it's not. No, but in Scripture, there's a couple different ways to do it. We at James River do this way because, number one, Jesus said to do it. And if Jesus said it, we think it's pretty good. All right? <laughs> and then secondly, we believe that the God, the entirety of the Godhead, the Trinity, is at work in salvation. And so we baptize in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The th second thing about baptism I want you to notice is baptism doesn't save you. It follows salvation. Baptism is a work. And maybe you're not familiar with baptism. You're like, what is baptism? The word baptism in the Greek is baptizo. It means to be immersed, to go under. And what, what's happening when you're baptized is you're saying, my old life is gone and I'm risen with Christ. I'm, in a, I'm a new person. And it's a public profession of faith of what God has already done in your life when he saved you. 
But the work of baptism doesn't in itself save you. Now, some people like, take the scripture we're looking at or a scripture in Acts 20, we'll look at it and say, well, see, that's, that's baptism saving you. Uh, this is Paul talking in Acts 22. Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on his name. They'll take a scripture like that and say, see, baptism saves you. Or the scripture we're looking at today, because it says, uh, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. I want to make a note on this preposition, the word for, the word is ace. It could be translated because of. So you could read in this particular scripture, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus because of the forgiveness of sins. So basically you could think of it this way. Because you can be forgiven, you need to repent. Because of forgiveness, you need to be baptized. Therefore, it's not saying that, hey, baptism is what saves you. It's saying baptism is a response to this forgiveness that we have. Another scripture that's used is Mark chapter 16. It says this, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. And if you were to stop there, maybe you think, okay, baptism is the critical thing. But if you continue on, you notice something. But whoever does not believe will be condemned. So the critical thing when it comes to salvation is not baptism, but belief. We're saved by faith alone. Belief is what saves you. Baptism is a symbol or representation of that belief. And Paul, Paul speaks to this throughout the, the New Testament. You read in Romans chapter 10, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and, everybody say it, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the mouth one believes and is justified, and with, sorry, with the heart one believes and is justified, and with the mouth one confesses and is saved. Also in Ephesians, it says this, for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not of your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of works so that nobody can boast. Meaning you didn't have to do anything for salvation. You just have to say, God, I'm turning to you. God, I know it's available. It's a gift. It's not something you can work for. You receive it as a free gift by faith. So baptism doesn't save you, but belief saves you. Now, that doesn't mean baptism's not important. In fact, baptism is incredibly important in the life of the believer. And you see that all throughout the New Testament. The early church believed baptism was so important that when Peter's preaching and 3,000 people get saved, 3,000 people get baptized because they said, hey, we need to make this immediate. It's important because, first of all, it's a command from Jesus. We see Jesus say this, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. This is a command from Christ, and that's why the early church said, hey, this is critical. Now, for you, maybe you grew up in a background where, first of all, baptism was used as a method. Maybe you did infant baptism, or it was a way that brought salvation or the work of God into your life as an infant. I just want to encourage you, that's not biblical, that's not the, what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches that baptism follows salvation. Baptism is you saying, Christ has worked in my life and I've come into a new life. And I want to encourage you, maybe you've used that as a reason to say, oh, I don't need to get baptized because I've already been baptized. 
And in fact, uh, you know, growing up, my dad would use that as a reason with his family. And in that discussion, it could be offensive to the rest of the family because he at some point wanted to get re-baptized. And the discussion was, oh, you don't need to do that. You've already been baptized. But eventually he had to come to this conclusion. And I, I want to encourage you with it today that at some point you have to decide, am I going to be more true to the word of God or I'm going to be more true to my upbringing? Am I going to be true to what Scripture says? Scripture says baptism follows salvation. Scripture says baptism is a command from Christ. Or am I going to be true to whatever tradition or what my family thinks? And eventually you have to say, God, I'm just going to be obedient. Because that's where the blessing comes from. When you say, God, it doesn't matter if it's comfortable. It doesn't matter if it feels like the right thing to do for everybody. What matters is what you think of me. What matters is how you, what you tell me to do. And God, if you say it, I'm going to do it because I want to walk in your blessing. I'm not going to let anything get between me and the blessing of God. And as you do that, you watch how God honors your faith. It's a command. And eventually you have to say, you know what? It can come down sometimes to people's comfort level. It can be like, well, I just don't like, I don't like getting wet. Or I don't like, I don't want people to see me that way. Or, or whatever the, the reasoning can be. But what you have to conclude is you're basically affirming and subscribing to an obedience optional Christianity. That God, I'll do what you tell me as long as it feels good to me. Or I'll do what you tell me as long as I agree with it. Or I'll do what you tell me as long as it makes me comfortable. But at any point that it causes discomfort or it pushes against, you know, some sort of feeling that you have or belief that you have, then you're going to say, well, that's out. That's not for me. But what you have to conclude is an obedience optional Christianity is not really Christianity at all. That it may not be that you're a Christian that's not baptized. It may mean that you're just not a Christian because you're not willing to follow Jesus and what Jesus said. And I don't say that with a condemning. I, I would hate for you to walk out of here and think, man, well, that was harsh. Because that's not the spirit of it. Honestly, at any point that your life doesn't align with Scripture, you're missing it. And the Holy Spirit would come to you and convict you, not because he wants to wound you, but because he loves you. That life, in the end of the day, if you're not following wholeheartedly, is completely empty. And at one area of disobedience in your life, it has a way of getting into other areas of your life. And if you let that live, it won't be good for you. And so the scripture comes to you today and that's the great thing about expository preaching. That's verse by verse preaching because you can't miss something. And the Holy Spirit speaking to you today and saying, that's you. You need to get baptized. And it doesn't matter if you're prepared for it. You know, sometimes people say, you know what? I just want to fully understand it. You know, the great thing about serving God is you don't have to fully understand everything to benefit from serving him. If you give your heart to Christ today, you may not understand every benefit of salvation and everything that the work of Christ on the cross does. And it doesn't mean that it's not all important or can't be life changing. All you have to understand is, hey, I'm a sinner. I need Jesus. And you get all the benefits of salvation. Amen.
You don't have to understand all the benefits of prayer, but if you call on the name of the Lord, he will answer you, and you get all the benefits of prayer even if you don't understand them, and that's the same for baptism. If you get baptized and you do it to say, you know what, I just want to identify with following Jesus, and I just want to be obedient, and I'll catch up with the rest later, that's a great way to do it. In fact, so urgent was the early church to baptize people that when people got saved, they would sometimes get baptized in the middle of the night. It was like, oh man, these people got saved. We need to baptize them right away. You know, that urgency is awesome. That urgency honors the Lord. That urgency says, God, if you said it, it's important to me. And it's, if it's a priority to you, God, it's going to be a priority to me. And I just want to encourage you, you know, we had a, uh, one Sunday we said, you know, if you, get, if, you need, if you need to get baptized and you're watching online, then you should just jump in your car right now and drive here and get baptized. There was literally a lady in New York who was watching and was like, okay, got in her car and came and got baptized. But I think that's pretty cool because that shows you the kind of urgency. And if somebody from New York can do it, so can you. Let me say this, if you, maybe you're like, well, okay, I, need, I, get, I need to get baptized, but what do I do? I'm not ready to get baptized. We have a towel, we have a change of clothes, we have hair dryers, and even if you had to leave here in wet clothes, it would be worth it. Because you would say, I'm following Jesus, and I'm going to be fully obedient. And the fact of the matter is, anytime we're obedient, we're going to experience God's blessing. And that's an act of faith. God, if I'm obedient, I believe you're going to, I'm going to experience your blessing. In fact, Jesus, when he got baptized, yes, Jesus got baptized. Because Jesus said, hey, I'm going to be the example. And you know what? He got baptized even though he didn't need to. But he said, you know what? This is going to fulfill scripture. And so when he got baptized, here's what happened. Jesus came up out of the water and saw the heavens split apart and the Holy Spirit descend on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, you are my dearly loved son and you bring me great joy. That's a picture of what happens when you walk in obedience. When you walk in obedience, you know what? All your sin has already been paid for. So that's not on the table. All that's left is God to say, you know what? I love when my kids are obedient. You know what? I'm going to honor that obedience. I'm going to bless them for being obedient. I'm going to open heaven over their life because they're obedient. And you're going to experience the pleasure and the joy of the Father because you were obedient. That's the power of obedience. Everyone needs to walk in obedience. Thirdly, everyone needs the Holy Spirit. Everyone needs the Holy Spirit. Look what Peter says. He says, and Peter said to them, repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord calls to himself. Everyone can receive the Holy Spirit. You know, when we started this series on the book of Acts, maybe you started praying for the Holy Spirit to fill you. You know, God sees that and he's going to honor that. I love that as we pray for the Holy Spirit, we can be confident. Maybe you haven't been filled yet, but really the operative word is yet, okay? Because you're going to be filled as you seek the Lord, as you say, God, I need the Holy Spirit. As you say, God, I'm going to get in the prayer meeting. I'm going to be in your presence. As you go to bed tonight, at tonight, every night, not just tonight, as you go to bed at night and say, God, God, 
please fill me. God hears every single one of your prayers, and God is true to his word. Let God be true and every man a liar. You know what I love about this phrase that Peter says is he says, you know what? You're going to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, the promise. Now, one thing you'll find about God is God is true to his word, all right? God never made a promise that he's not going to keep. And if he said, you know what, I'm going to fill you with the Holy Spirit, then you can take it to the bank. God is going to fill you with the Holy Spirit. I, I love that word promise in scripture because a promise means it is going to happen. And the a promise means it's already on the way. All you have to do is say, God, I want that gift. And God says, you know what? I'm going to start filling you. God has power for you. You need the Holy Spirit. Everyone needs the Holy Spirit because everyone needs power. You know, maybe you're thinking, well, I thought the Holy Spirit lives inside of me at salvation. And, and there are, that is definitely true. The scripture says this in Romans chapter 8. Those who do not have the Spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. Meaning the Spirit of Christ lives in you at salvation. Another scripture in Corinthians says, uh, don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you? So there is a work at salvation where the Holy Spirit resides in you. But what we're talking about is a second work of the Holy Spirit. It's where the Holy Spirit fills you with power. You know, the disciples were following Jesus. They believed in Jesus, but they still needed to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. They were the ones Jesus said, hey, wait for the gift that you'll receive power from when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You need that gift to um, have the power that you need, the power that God intends for the life that he intends for you to live. You know, some of you haven't been filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to encourage you to start seeking the Lord to be filled with the Spirit. And, you, and you're saying, man, I feel like I need to have more boldness, or I feel like God has more for me, or I just feel like maybe, and maybe it's been the other way. You're like, well, I'm not this type of person, or uh, I just am kind of a quiet individual. And, and now, truly, there are different personalities. But the great thing about the Holy Spirit is even if you're a quiet person, if you're full of the Holy Spirit in a moment that's inspired by God, you can have the boldness you need to speak. In a moment, you, that, that says, you know what? God doesn't work on us based on our personality. He works on us and through us based on our fullness. Everybody needs the Holy Spirit because everybody needs power. There's no, not any one of us who can accomplish what God has for us without the Holy Spirit. You need it. I need it. And when we ask for it, we'll receive it. God wants to use you to pray for people at your work. God wants to use you to share your faith. God wants to use you. God wants, you. God wants to use you in a powerful way. Where you're praying for people to be healed and you're seeing them healed. Where you're praying for people who have impossible situations in their marriage and you're seeing just a grace and an authority. Where you're speaking with boldness about Jesus in a, in a place that it could be really hard. And he wants to empower you to do what you can never do on your own, but you need the Holy Spirit because everyone needs the Holy Spirit. And the great thing is it's a promised gift for you. And today's really a message to help every single person. If you feel like you're outside of what God's doing, if you feel like you're distant from God, 
if you feel like, man, I, I want to receive, but I don't know, let, let the Holy Spirit use the Word of God to let faith rise in your heart that God can work in your life. God sees where you're at. He loves you. And if you turn to him, if you walk in obedience, if you seek the Holy Spirit, there is more for you. You don't have to stay where you're at. He doesn't leave you where he found you. He's not done working in your life today. You're not at the stopping point of what God wants to do. Some of you feel like, man, I, I used to grow. I used to be so, growing so much. And you're like, I don't know what happened. Maybe, maybe there's an area of your life where you just say, you know what, God, I, I'm not being totally obedient there. Or maybe you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit. God has more for you. And I just want to encourage you, if you haven't given your heart to Christ and you've never experienced repentance, that's the starting point for experiencing God's blessing and God's power in your life. Because it starts with a right relationship with God. It starts with you turning from your sin. In fact, Peter goes on to say this. He says, and with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exhort them saying, save yourself from this crooked generation. You know what he's saying there? This isn't him saying like, hey, you need to return to God because only God can save you, but now you need to save yourself and work it out. What this is, the picture of this is like somebody out in the ocean who needs a life raft and is like, help, I need help. Save me. And the minute you do, God is the active person saving you. He wants to save you. He wants to help you. He wants to work in your life. And if you turn to him, he will save yourself from the wicked and perverse generation, this crooked generation. You know what? Every generation is broken. Every generation needs Jesus. Every generation is full of sin. But the only way out of that and to him is through Jesus, giving your heart to Christ. And you know what? In that day, 3,000 were saved and 3,000 were baptized and the Holy Spirit came. And God is still on the move. God is still saving people. He still loves people and he wants to work in your life today. Amen.